Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a smarter sports better with a VSIN Pro subscription. For just a limited time, sign up now for $9.99 and get full access to everything we do here at VSIN, including daily pro picks on all the summer action, including NFL and college football futures, premium analysis from our team of top handicappers and industry experts, 24 7 video access, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and sharp money is going to give you an edge. Don't miss out on our lowest intro price of the year vcin.com slash subscribe. That's how you do it. Go sign up today. And uh, you get a lot of the great content from our guy, Wes Reynolds, who just joined us, which, Michael, I just want to give him another shout-out real quick. One of the hardest-working dudes we have at the network. Today alone, he was on Follow the Money before any of this news came out about Liv. Hops on with us on short notice. Has the live long shots that's going to be on the show for an hour right after us. And then hosts vcin tonight, later on this evening, like he does every Monday through Friday. So he is on one today. Big, yeah, busy time. I mean, who knew? I mean, he had not, and you know, it's hard to, I, you know, it's hard to ask, you know, it's hard to prepare uh, for it because, you know, we just got hit with it, what, mm-hmm. to an hour before we came on the air. So it, it's, there's a lot of things to clear up, but, you know, we'll move forward. I, I'm sure that the, there's going to be a lot of reactions. This oh, is, yeah. this isn't a, this isn't just a sports story. This is a, a big story. This is something that, is going to penetrate through most every editorial commentary that we have in this country. Well, and further proving that point, the fact that I first saw the news released um, in a clip from CNBC. So that's where it kind of came out publicly. Um, So we'll continue to get some opinions throughout the day. Um, If you miss any of that conversation, make sure that you can download the Lombardi line in podcast form as well. Get all of Wes's thoughts in the breakdown of the merger with live golf and the PGA tour, but let's get to the NFL. It only took us what 32 minutes, but we are on the NFL now on our NFL show. Michael, uh, nine teams are kicking off mandatory mini camps today. The Raiders, 49ers, Seahawks, commanders, dolphins, lions, Titans, Browns, and Cowboys uh, for people that are unfamiliar, maybe with this off season calendar, what is the, the mark of mandatory mini camp mean in your brain as a former GM? Well, everybody has to be there. I mean, if you're not there, you can you can actually find the player. Everything else is voluntary. And so there are some times where 
you might have the full team at, at the OTA day. There may be some times where you don't have the full team. Uh, you can do more drills in mini camps. You can have two practices. You can have you have more time with the players from the start of the day to the end of the day. It's not a four-hour requirement, which is what the Patriots succeeded and why they got fined and and cost two days. So it, it gives you a chance to basically have it's a start of training camp, if you will. The players are in their in they're not in pads, they're helmets, jerseys, and they have all their things on. And you can do a a team period. You can do nine on seven. You can pretty much do one on ones. And there's no real restrictions in terms of the over physicality of it. You know, you have to be careful. But it's like having a practice without pads on. So. That's why it starts, and it's mandatory. Now, some teams like the Raiders will have OTA days afterwards to continue that, mostly for the young players. I mean, these camps are a lot for the younger players once you get past the mini camps, so they understand the conditioning required to uh, play at their highest level in the NFL. Well, speaking of conditioning, Michael, this is always like – best shape of their life season when we see a lot of the headlines and guys coming in. But I feel like there's going to be a number of players too, who are on the flip side of that. Anybody from, from your memories back in your days in the league of somebody just showing up so out of shape and you're like, come on, man, what are you doing? Oh, there's way too many. I mean, Grady Jackson, we could never get him in shape. Grady Jackson was, uh, I had almost a, you know, in, in, Austin Powers, where, you know, he, he sees fat bastard at the end of the movie who's now skinny, you know, and he couldn't believe it, right? You know, I had that moment. So Grady Jackson was a defensive tackle for the Raiders, and he was extremely talented. He was everything that Al Davis loved in defensive linemen. He was 330 pounds. He could run really well. He had long arms. He had 11 and a half inch hands. He had these huge hands, which was you had to have to be a defensive lineman for Al Davis. But he was always out of shape, always out of shape. And, I mean, he probably went to more funerals in Jackson, Mississippi, than any player on record. I mean, every time I turned around, there was another funeral he had to go back to, another funeral. I mean, he probably spent more time at a funeral parlor in Jackson, Mississippi, than he did anywhere else, which was we all know was a lie, that that's why he wanted to go home. But then – at, at Al Davis's celebration after he passed away in Vegas, there was a party and everybody came together and I saw Grady there and he was skinny. Like, I'm like, Grady, why didn't you get in shape when you could play you to play 10 more years? You know, it was that, it was that fat bat. Oh my God. You know, and he wasn't on subway diet. He was on, he was, I think he had the, the, the procedure, but all the time stormy. And as a coach and as executive, you're trying to figure out, okay, Here's where you are. And then what you try to do is assign weights to the players. Okay, your, your reporting weight is X. And if you don't come in at that weight, you're going to get fined percentage per pound. And this is where you determine that. And a lot of teams are very strict about that. You know, they're going to make sure that the players are down. Now, you don't want to do what, what some guys do, which is, you know, try to sweat it out and then they pull hamstrings. So, You know, that's what this is all about. But conditioning for the big guys is always the big issue. You know, uh, on my bingo card today, Michael, I did not have leading the show with golf and an Austin Powers fat bastard reference. But get in my belly. I love it. And I'm here for it. (laughs) Tommy, you know, I think Grady was, uh, you know, he was happy. He was unhappy when he eats and he's unhappy when, you know, he's that way. You know, I eat because I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy because I eat. And I'm unhappy because (laughs) I eat. That's right. (laughs) 
Okay. There you go. I let's, love it. Let's move it along, though, with some of the, the news and notes that we do have um, as we come into these mandatory mini camps. One team getting underway today, the Dallas Cowboys, and their owner, Jerry Jones, speaking to media yesterday, said that while they don't anticipate, called it unlikely that they would bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, there is potential for Ezekiel Elliott maybe to get brought back into the fold. When you heard that, what did you think at first? Well, I mean, I don't think Zeke has a market. You know, I don't hear Zeke's name out there to, to too many teams. I think pr probably because nobody wants to pay for a running back, especially a running back that is an inside-the-tackle runner. And, you know, the Cowboys could certainly use that. It depends on what kind of shape that Zeke's in. I mean, look, I think Zeke's a really good leader on their team, and I think they would benefit from having Zeke in their locker room. But at what cost? Stephen Jones shot down the Hopkins rumors fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of teams shooting down these rumors quickly. A Buffalo, you know, shot down that rumor really quickly. Uh, so, but when it, when they when you come out and talk about it, and I think Zeke in this offense, if they're going to run the ball a little bit more with Pollard coming off the injury, you know, depending on how much it's going to cost the Cowboys, but I think his value in that locker room would certainly benefit. Well, and he was obviously such a special player early in his career. I think the team is very aware that they made a terrible decision making the contract for him that they did. He's still a very valuable piece, but Tony Pollard's going to be your star. And he, if you were to bring him back, just a guy that needs to know what his role is going to be. I think it would make a lot yeah. of sense for, for him to come back. Um, but speaking it, but to... It's, it's always hard, though, Stormy, for a player of Zeke's stature to come back in the same locker room and take less money. Yeah. And sure. every player knows it. And have the same impact on leadership. That's a hard thing to do. You mentioned a lot of teams also saying that they're kind of out on DeAndre Hopkins or unlikely. Um, yes, the Cowboys, which makes sense. They just brought in uh, earlier this offseason a veteran wide receiver and Brandon Cooks. But the Jags head coach Doug Peterson said it's not reality to bring someone else in. The Jets, Titans, among other teams, implying that it's not an option. Um, and you, you mentioned Bills and Brandon Bean. He was on Pat McAfee. He you know, didn't like fully shut it down. So that's why I'm curious your thoughts on like financially where the bills sit, especially after signing Leonard Floyd, called him a hell of a talent, said, but it would really have to fit with how they structure salary. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is what it's all been about. They were interested. Look, they were making phone yeah. calls about Hopkins. They were engaged in trade conversations with the Cardinals. So were the Chiefs. But, you know, as I've mentioned on my pod and on the show, once Beckham got that $15 million one-year deal, Hopkins doesn't see himself having to take much less than the 19 he was due to make. Mm -hmm. I think the only team that may be willing to pay that kind of money. One thing, here's what I think people don't realize about situations like Hopkins, there's rarely more than one team involved in this number. Mm -hmm. There's rarely more. No, there are teams interested, but at a very, very low cost. And as a GM, if you're Andrew Barry of the Cleveland Browns, you're saying, who's my competition? Who am I competing against for his services? Why would I have to go to $15 million when no one else is anywhere within $10, millions of that, $10 million of that? I think there's the holdup. If somebody was willing to pay $15, he'd be signed by now. Yeah. And, I mean, the league, how shocked was the league when the Baltimore Ravens elected to pay OBJ what they did, and now this is set an, unre an unreasonable and unrealistic expectation, I feel like, for DeAndre Hopkins and what he's trying to go out there and get because he feels that he's an equitable, if not better, player than Odell. So Yeah, I, I think that's the, it's the only one that's impacted. Everybody else saw it. Oh, the Ravens were desperate to get Lamar. But Hopkins and Odell had always been linked together, especially at Baltimore. Could not agree with you more. We have to take a break, but when we come back, 
your favorite, you know, schedule maker, analyst. He does it all. Will Hill will join the program next, give his place for the NBA Finals. Hanging out with us here on a Tuesday. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi out at his office in New Jersey. I'm Stormy Bonantoni at our VEASAN studio at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And we've covered a lot over the first hour talking about the Live and PGA Tour merger. A lot of news and notes in the NFL, especially with nine teams now entering mandatory minicamp today. Michael, but also another storyline that's kind of been taken over the NFL at various points this offseason is the league's investigation into sports betting issues mm. with a number yeah. of players. And the, the most recent we saw Colts player Isaiah Rogers, uh, kind of the latest casualty now. He even had an apology kind of addressing the reports yesterday that he takes full responsibility. He made mistakes. But how prevalent do you think this is going to be moving forward with? Like, you would think that when within everything happened with Calvin Ridley, that that would kind of yeah. set the stage enough, yet we keep seeing this happening. Yeah, well, because you've got to have to keep reinforcing it, Stormy, because it's like it, it, it's like the a college player comes to the NFL and he catches a pass, a receiver, and he falls down. He stays down because unless you reinforce that he can get up and keep running, they kind of revert back to what they did in college. And unless you reinforce things, whether it's the rules or whether it's the, the responsibility, you're going to always be off guard, and you're going to have to constantly remind the new players, well, I, I didn't know it was illegal here in the building. I missed that. Or you can't assume everybody's caught up to speed. Oh, I didn't think I, I thought I could do it. You know, the, the Lions players that were doing it in the building, but they were doing it with other players. If they would have walked two blocks right. outside of the building, it would have been okay. So you're going to have to be really careful and really explain it in every single detail or else players have a tendency to forget. That's why they have mistakes during games. You know, they forget, oh, I forgot that. I, that's right, I can't do that. You know, and you're going to have to be very careful and cognizant of it. You're going to have to spend at least once, twice a week on reminding players that this is part of the responsibility they have if they want to continue playing in the NFL. Well, and especially because legalization has become so much more widespread, more states every single year legalizing sports betting, that it's going to, like, more and more opportunity comes more and more risk with this type of a thing. And there was an interesting article that came out in The Athletic yesterday as well that interviewed a few anonymous players at various stages of their career, young player, a nine, 10 year veteran, um, and what they felt that they knew about the gambling policy. And um, a lot of the conversation topics in that article were like, well, I've been in the league for such a long time where I've seen the crossover between when it was just absolutely not stay away from it, have no involvement because you don't want to risk anything with your career um, to the point where they just stay away from it still completely. Whereas these younger players are kind of entering the league at a point of legalization across the country. So they're kind of this first generation that really has to deal with it at a different level. Like Mike Pritchard has even come on this show and said that it took him a long time being removed from the league to even want to get involved with sports betting because 
he still had that kind of fear and things ingrained in him. But a lot of guys say that when they learn about this, it hasn't really been something that had been cracked down on in the past when they have these meetings this time of year. But maybe now with the Calvin Ridleys, with the Lions, with what's happened here with Isaiah Rogers and him specifically betting on Colts games, we know that that's something you absolutely can't do. Um, but players also kind of understand that it's they think it's pretty stupid. It seems like, at least from this article, that you can't bet on like golf or other sports um, if, when you're on the facility. Like that was something a lot of guys had no clue about, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and, and my question back to you on all that is what's going on in college? Because, you know, the, there's got to be who's handling yeah. this for college. I mean, the NFL's got it, 32 teams. It's condensed. It's contained into that area in their building. They understand it. They've got the uh, apparatus within the framework of their facility to kind of work on this. But what about colleges? Where is that going? You know, and, and the NFL's made it clear whether you bet $5 or whether you bet $5,000, yeah. it's the same. And you just have to wonder how college sports are handling this and what's going on there. You know, I mean, for anybody to think that they can bet on their own team, to me, that's beyond a defense. That's just, mm -hmm. you know, that's you're saying it, but you knew that that wasn't true. I think everybody knows that. I mean, how many times do we have to relive the White Sox scandal yeah. back in 1919 with the shoeless Joe Jackson and, and the team? So, like, you know that, right? Yep. But, I mean – the other parts you may not know, you may have a plausible defense against that. But I wonder what's going on in college, and I wonder who is orchestrating this. Is it the leagues? Is it the conferences? Or is it the powerful NC2A? Well, it's something that's going to need to be brought up and taken a lot more seriously and cracked down on because we saw even, what was it, in May, everything that was going on with Iowa State and the probe that they had, um, I think, 15 players across multiple reports had been implicated in that probe with the university. So got to figure out how they're going to get a handle on all of this because it is so new for so many people. The issue with Isaiah Rogers specifically, um, they said it was around a hundred bets that were played on uh, that were placed on the account, 25 to $50 range. Same thing with what we saw with Calvin Ridley, where um, he had Falcons games involved in parlays, like anything that involves your team, especially or the, the league of the NFL, if you're a college football player, college football, because of the integrity of the game standpoint. And we have all of these relationships now with sports books and professional sports leagues. And if you're going to be in bed with sports books and, and leagues, then you're going to have to take better steps toward ensuring that there aren't these questions from the outside. Because I know we talk about it on this network in jest, all the the NFL script and the NBA script and all of this stuff, but there are like conspiracy theorists and people out there that genuinely believe that stuff. And once the actual integrity of the game comes into question, that's when these become a serious, serious issue. So I'll be curious to see ultimately what the, like we have a small precedent for what the punishment is going to be for different levels of the offense, but what in the long term it's really going to be, because you don't want these to continue to pop up and it's just going to ruin careers at the end of the day. No question. And you've got to do a good job as the coach of educating the players on a continual basis. And you've got to make sure that you remind them that there are systems in place, that, you know, we are monitoring your phones. If you have betting apps on your, on your phone here and you walk in the building, you need to remove them. 
You need to remove them from the building, you know. And so understand the rules and the regulations because every state's different. And like you said, there there isn't. We're not implying that they're they're shifting the games. We're implying that we want to keep the integrity of the game. That's the most important. We want to keep the game pure, and that's the job of the commissioner, and that's the job of the head coaches to make sure that the players understand. Yeah, one player in this athletic article said that in one of their meetings they detailed the rule. Um, but it was only about four minutes on it. So you wonder like what actually, because in those compliance meetings, they have so many different things that they cover at one time. It feels like this is something, especially because it's becoming a more prevalent issue. You need to spend more time on. And like you said, revisit multiple times. I do want to share with you this one quote because um, it was probably my favorite thing that I read. It was from a nine-year veteran talking about how he asked an NFLPA player rep if it was okay to bet on golf. The rep told him it was fine, you know, just as long as you're off of the facility, da 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 He, quote, lost every bet he placed and has since deleted the app from his phone. <laughs> so uh, some of these players <laughs> well, learning I mean, the hard lesson betting, betting ain't golf, easy, too. <laughs> I mean, if you're betting golf, I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest things to do. And I know you listen to the long shots yeah. with Wes Reynolds and all that, but that's a hard thing yeah. to do. <laughs> uh, and it really, I don't know if it makes – like betting football, it makes the game more enjoyable for the fans. I think they have more of a rooting interest. And, you know, you can see the, the, the kind of the last two minutes of a game, how everybody's looking at it that way or basketball. But, you know, I don't know if you get that same sense of urgency from betting golf. I mean, I find that hard to believe. I can't, I can't pick a harder sport to bet than golf. He, I really couldn't. He just knew it couldn't be football. Likes golf outrights. Why not? He should have been listening to the Long Shots pod. Maybe he would have hit one. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> great conversation, though. Appreciate you indulging me because I think this is very important, especially with us being a betting network that we cover all of that um, at length. Like I mentioned earlier, this is the start of mandatory minicamp for nine teams today. Mm -hmm. A little bit later, I'm going to hit you with some of my burning questions specifically for some of the teams that are starting today. But is there any team you're especially anxious about seeing how they show up for minicamp? Well, I think the Niners are going to be interesting to see how they work, you know, because we've seen we know Brock Purdy is is on track, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, he's actually throwing, which is a huge step you know, for him. And then how these reps are going to be distributed. Uh, and, you know, we're going to get play-by-play play of every throw Trey Lance makes. We know that. <laughs> no one's covered more than Trey Lance at the Niners and Sam Darnold, for that matter. So, I mean, to get to see how they work within the offense, I think that's going to be something that, that'll be important to look at. Uh, same thing with the Miami Dolphins as we get reports from them, you know, what they've done to their defense, how they've changed it. David Long back into – now he's at middle linebacker replacing Landon Roberts. They've got Xavier They've got Xavier Howard there along with Jalen Ramsey, how Vic Fangio's scheme takes over. So these are the kind of times where you can really get a lot more information for us as betters to kind of see what it looks like, to kind of get a sense of it all, conditioning too – what the players look like as they come back and how they are processing, especially the second and third year players who know the system. Hard to judge rookies based on mini camps. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point, too, going back to the San Francisco 49ers, beat writer um, and reporter NBC Sports Matt Mayoko said that he does believe Brock Purdy is going to be the starter available week one if he stays true to the 12 week time frame they've had set out. He'd receive full medical clearance to play around August 21st, so 20 days or so before the start of the 2023 season, which I think would be a big boost because they've talked very, very much so about how 
how much they loved what he put on the field in game action. So even if he misses a lot of the, the training camp aspects and things that you typically would want to see from a quarterback, he's proven himself enough to earn that job. Um, we've got to take a quick break. We'll get to some more of those burning questions later on in the hour. But we got NHL talk coming up next with Gord Stellick. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Make sure, everybody, become a VSEN Pro subscriber. you got to do it. That's the only way you get a daily email that recaps all the best bets from every single one of our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to the VSEN.com slash picks page where you can sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, any which way you want. Check out the top VEASAN experts leaderboard as well, where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro Picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. And good news, it's only $9.99, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's where you can get it done. Rolling along here. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Tuesday morning. Getting back into our NFL conversation with mandatory minicamp getting underway for nine teams today. We bring in friend of the show, Tank Williams, former NFL safety, doing great work now for Yahoo Sports as an analyst in the betting sphere, um, covering fantasy as well. Tank, how are you today? Pretty good. Good to be back on with y'all. Good. And I'm sure it it feels nice with mandatory minicamps coming up that nowadays you just get to take a load off, sit back and relax and watch instead of having to actually be there and in, in conditioning shape to get things going. I'm telling you, it's so easy for the guys in the NFL right now. What are you talking about? OTAs, mandatory <laughs> minicamp, training camp. You can't have two padded practices back to back. Like, man, it's just so soft these days, but good for them. And you don't even have kickoff coverage. You don't even have to worry about kickoff coverage. Although I, right. I will think there'll be the teams will, you know, I don't think people realize about the kickoff coverage rule tank is that if the ball hits the ground, you can't fair catch it. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of teams practicing that squib kick to kind of get them to try to bring it out, especially if they don't, if they don't work on it, especially if you get some of these West coast coaches who really don't like special teams anyway. And so they kind of ignore it. And it gives you a chance to gain an advantage. But, you know, I know you played for the Titans. Talk to me a little bit about where you think they'll end up at quarterback by the end of the year. You know, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously they'll want to lean on one of those young guys. When they installed Malik Willis last year, you could just tell that he wasn't an answer. I'm not sure if the offseason would kind of help him mature and get more comfortable in the system. And so that's why they go out and they draft a guy like Will Levis. But I feel like Ryan Tannehill has the experience. You still have guys like Derrick Henry on the roster. And so as long as you feel like you have a legitimate chance to win the AFC South, and I believe the Titans do feel that way, they're probably going to go with the veteran until one of those young guys, more than likely Levis, proves that he needs to be the guy on the field over a guy like Ryan Tannehill. I wonder if after that week seven bye, if that could be an opportunity for him to step into the role potentially. Ah, I don't know. I don't want you to talk bad about your former team, but (laughs) <laughs> Win total sitting at seven and a half. How confident are you in them being able to exceed that number this season? You know, when you look at the Titans, I mean, does it really seem like they're trying to win? Like, I understand that they win, they got Levinson round two. It looks like they weren't that aggressive for a quarterback in the first round. And even whoever's going to play quarterback, like, who the hell are they going to throw the ball to? <laughs> like, they don't have a number one you know, receiving option out there on the outside. And so that, that allows teams to just stack the box with Derrick Henry, try to take him away, 
and then force whatever quarterback you have to beat you with no weapons on the outside to speak of. And so I think that's the Titans' dilemma. And so I believe the Titans, along with a bunch of other teams, are trying to buy for Caleb Williams next year. That's how I see that playing out. I think you're going to have a hard time convincing Mike Vrabel of that, though. You know, Tank, I mean, I still marvel at that Kansas City game on Sunday night where he gets his he gets a first down with five minutes uh, into the second quarter and only gets one for the remainder of the game, and the game goes to overtime. I think you're going to have a hard time. I mean, I know if I were Rand Carthon and I, I walked into Mike Vrabel's office and said, hey, let's make sure we tank and get Kayla Williams, I'd hate to see the reaction. Yeah, very true. I mean, you know, Vrabel's going to try to do his best to cook a great meal every time he goes out there. But if you give him some spoiled eggs, some rancid meat, and some vegetables that have been decaying <laughs> for about two months, then is it going to taste good? Like, I don't think so. So I believe he's going to try his hardest, but is that going to end up being the end result? I guess we'll see. And Tank, there's going to be a lot of stiff competition for who's going to tank for that top overall pick and to potentially get Caleb Williams. Uh, I know the Arizona Cardinals currently sit with the lowest Win total on the board at four and a half. Speaking of Arizona, they obviously released star wide receiver, three-time All-Pro in DeAndre Hopkins not too long ago, trying to figure out where his best landing spot will gonna be is going to be, especially given the thought process that Odell Beckham Jr. ends up getting this deal with the Ravens that nobody anticipated him getting that number. That's kind of changed the market mentally, I'm sure, for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who does have uh, an agent now after previously representing himself what do you think the options are going to be for a guy like D-Hop when it comes to the money and the team working for him? I believe he'll have plenty of options because there'll be teams that are trying to throw a lot of money at him just because he's still one of the better wide receivers in the league. There'll also be teams that are trying to play keep away with a one-year deal, say maybe the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs, something like that, where they're trying to prevent one of those other top teams in the AFC uh, from acquiring his services. But I believe the best fit for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is the team that you mentioned, with Odell Beckham Jr., that's the Baltimore Ravens. Like, you got the deal done with Lamar. You still have more cap space than the Buffalo Bills, than the Kansas City Chiefs. I understand you signed OBJ. You have Bateman coming back off injury. You have Mark Andrews, one of the better tight ends in the league. You have a dominant running game. And on top of that, you have the most explosive, dynamic rushing quarterback in the league. So can you imagine just paying a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? He doesn't have that deep speed. But he has a catch radius like none other, and he'll catch contested balls like some of the better wide receivers in the league. That's why a lot of teams are covering him right now. So you get to pair him with OBJ and all these other guys. I believe that'll put the Ravens right atop the AFC and give them the best opportunity to uh, make a run for the Super Bowl. So I believe the GM for the Baltimore Ravens need to make that happen because that's the best fit for DeAndre Hopkins. How about the Jets? Where are you on the Jets with the Aaron Rodgers, all the conversations about them being the top team in the league? They're the Super Bowl contender, according to their head coach. Where do you see them in this in, in a very crowded AFC uh, power ranking? I mean, I feel that Aaron Rodgers' legacy is already solidified. We know that he's one of the best quarterbacks ever to lace it up. But that being said, I mean, we've looked at guys like Tom Brady, who set a tremendous precedent for a guy going from one team to another and winning the Super Bowl. And not only did Tom Brady do it, Matthew Stafford did it as well when he left Detroit and then won the Super Bowl with Los Angeles Rams the following year. So now my man Aaron Rodgers is going to have that kind of pressure on him in the biggest media market that the NFL has. And so he's going to have to step up and perform because what did we say with the Jets last year? They had a nice running back. He's Brees Hall. He's going to come back off an injury. They have a lot of dynamic wide receivers, uh, weapons on the outside. They have a Young defense that's hungry, one of the better cornerbacks in the league with Sauce Gardner. They need to get things figured out with Quentin Williams. But I feel like 
they have all those pieces in place. And if Aaron Rodgers can step up and if they can hold up on the left side of that line, that tackle, then they should be able to do something. But it's going to be a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers to perform. Lots of pressure, despite this being a Jets team that it's been a hot minute since they even made the playoffs. Now they're Super Bowl yeah. expectations, AFC Championship, AFC expectations when you bring in a four-time MVP to your locker room at quarterback. Uh, here with Tank Williams, Yahoo Sports betting and fantasy analyst, former NFL safety. And as we look forward, I also want to ask you about another guy, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I've heard some reports that maybe the Vikings might just try to hang on to him, but I mean, given the cap situation there, probably need to get him off of the books. Where do you think that Dalvin Cook ends up? I feel like if there's a way to make it work with Dalvin Cook, he's the guy that you definitely need on your roster. I feel like they really didn't use him the way that they should have last year, but they still have one of the most dynamic offenses in the league. You lose Adam Dillon, then you bring a guy like Jordan Allison in right now to go ahead and be alongside uh, Justin Jefferson. So I believe you still want to have that dynamic piece to the running game. I understand that Alexander Madison can go in. And he, uh, he's a nice compliment to Dalvin Cook, but trust me, he's no Dalvin Cook. So you don't want to miss that explosive piece to the puzzle. But that being said, I mean, it was surprising to hear that, you know, he almost got back down to his home area mm-hmm. in Miami with the Dolphins. So, I mean, that was interesting seeing that they were trying to trade him to the Dolphins. I think they'll continue to try to talk to some teams and figure out some ways that maybe they can kind of you know, alleviate some of that stress that they have on the cap. But if there's a way to make it work with him, I feel like the Vikings still have one of the best offenses in the league, and that that would remain true if they find a way to keep Dalvin Cook on that roster. No question. Uh, quick, I have an interesting question for you. I like the character that's behind your head there, Tank. Are you picking off anybody <laughs> specific in that picture? Uh, no, not, not 91 uh, specifically. Actually, I got that done when I was in the Rose Bowl. Uh, we went down to, uh, to the Rose Bowl, played Wisconsin, got throttled. But that being said, we went to Knott's Berry Farm, and I got that picture made, and then my wife had it redone for me. So I think it's cool. And I like to think that uh, I played with a guy, Drew Bennett, in Tennessee, and he went to UCLA. So I like to imagine that that's me jumping over him for an interception. <laughs> But it could be a number of UCLA guys. We used to whip them back in my day. I love it. Hey, well, last yeah, last thirty seconds for you. Prediction for your for your former team then this year? Oh, with Stanford? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We have the new coach. I mean, you know, it, it's gonna be tough. I feel like those guys that are trying to head to the Big Ten are gonna uh, have their ears pinned back and trying to put on quite a performance to show uh the rest of the nation what the what's gonna be going. Uh once they leave uh, the Pac-12. So that's going to be interesting to see how UCLA, USC performs against the rest of the Pac this year. But uh, I know the coach likes to play up-tempo, and I'm hoping that we have the pieces in place to allow him to do that and be able to stop some folks on defense and be able to have a good show in this season. Tank, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks, Tank. Yeah, thanks for having me. Another, thanks, another thing that's stunning that Live Golf and the PGA Tour have combined forces before we still have a Pac-12 media rights deal underway. What do you yeah. know? We got to take a right? break. <laughs> Wrapping things up on the Lombardi line next, Michael. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.